Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. Well, good morning, everyone. Hey, we're having, this is our, our fourth week, our final week uh, together. We're looking at finding our way through God's will. I want to start by uh, reading you a letter that I received from a very nice young lady about a little more than a month ago. It gives us something to hope for. She said, Dear Pastor Matt, I, I just wanted you to know about someone in your congregation that cared for me. About a year and a half ago, I was um, trying to leave, I was li- I'm sorry, a year and a half ago, I was trying to leave a very abusive relationship and I was at an all-time low. A man who sits with his wife near me stopped me as I was leaving, and he said, God can handle what you are going through. That was all he said. But that day, I could keep going, even though I was terrified. And I was reminded that God did not forget, forget me. And I, and, I, and I think you should know about this and know about the good things that the people of grace are doing for other people. God used this man to help save my life. And she signed her name. She said, P.S., I made it out and I got help. It's a great story, isn't it? I I read you that letter because I feel like that's the fullness of living in God's will. This is a person, uh, the the gentleman in this story is a person who showed up to church and and he faced out. He was was looking at opportunities to do ministries. He was being led by the Holy Spirit, right? And then he was looking for the good works that Jesus had arranged for him, right, before time had even begun. He, He came here looking and then was bold enough to... Maybe hear God's voice and then take action on that. That's what I hope, I hope that for you, you're inspired by that. I hope you long for something like that. I do too. That's, that's the epitome of, of what I want in my spiritual life is to be able to hear God's voice. Maybe go out and have maybe an awkward conversation and revolutionize someone's life because I'm speaking for him, for, for the Lord. That, and that's what we're talking about. That's what we're looking at. That's how I hope that you uh, look forward to having a walk with God that you could have a story like that written for you. Um, last, this is our last week, like I said, and if you remember in our series, we've been talking about six different steps or stages that you go through. And again, I just want to remind you as we go through the steps, they're going to become more personal, but they'll be less clear. Okay? We're, when we go from what's the will of God for us um, and then go to what's the will for God, we're going to lose some certainty in that. And, you know, it's obvious, right? Uh, everyone is to love their neighbor, but how do I particularly love my neighbor? That's, that's going to need some details, but in those details, I can't be as sure. So this week, we're going to look at number five and six, uh, finding our way in God's will through circumstances and finding God's way, our, uh, our way in God's will through uh, spirit's, spirit's promptings. So let's look at number five. First, um, circumstances. Leading, God's leading us through the various circumstances in our life. Again, this is a very tricky um, way of Estimating God's will, that's why it's way down in number five. You have to go one through four to get to number five, by the way. And and the reason it's so difficult, it's like a Rorschach test. You know, the inkblot test that psychologists will give someone, right? It's the same test that show a picture, and one person would say, wow, that's a beautiful butterfly sitting on a dandelion singing a happy song. And then the next person sees the exact same inkblot and says, well, it's a spawn from hell attacking my soul. It's not so much about the inkblot, it's about the person. It, circumstances, many times, it's not so much about the circumstances, it's about the person interpreting them. And we have to be, because of that, we have to be very careful. We have to be objective. We have to be seeking God's 
uh, direction on that. There's a great story in the last chapter of the book of Acts that's, that illustrates this point. It's uh, more like a Monty Python story, honestly. Um, Paul and Luke are shipwrecked, and they, they wash ashore a little island of Malta, and they're freezing cold, and they're trying to get comfort, and so they start a fire, and so Paul goes and collects some sticks. He's throwing the sticks in the fire, and a viper is in the, amongst the sticks and bites him on the hand. It's just, right, just hanging from his hand. It's like, I don't know, like a Clint Eastwood, dirty, hairy sort of thing. It's hanging there. And so the people of Malta, because of circumstances, they say, he must be a murderer. He was saved from the sea, but justice wants him dead. So Paul grabs the viper. <laughs> He's a bad guy, man. And throws it in the fire. And people conclude this. The, the venom had no consequence on him. He, he must be a god. So within one sentence, right, he goes from being a murderer to being god, a god because they didn't have any boundaries to how to interpret the circumstances around them. And so here, the, the point is this. Circumstances are too difficult to interpret by themselves, so they're in the context of the other ways we can know. And here's, here's why we're, where many people make the mistake when it comes to God's will through circumstances, is they forget this, that the phrase in the Bible is used quite often is opening a door, when God opens a door. And when God opens a door, it's quite often to the desert. Every saint in the Bible, old and new, has some experience where God led them, God opened a door for them to wander in a desert for some time, sometimes even running for their lives. Even Jesus, it's led by God's Spirit, right, to the desert where he was went without food for 40 days. So because circumstances can be bad and still in God's will, that's where I think some people get confused. There's no better expression of certainty in God's will than the story of Mary and Joseph. I mean, how do you know they're in God's will? Well, an angel shows up and tells Mary, you are going to have a miraculous conception. Joseph has an angel show up in his dream and says, okay, this whole thing is, is God's doing. You should marry her and we'll fill you in on the details later. So when they're making their journey from uh, Nazareth to Bethlehem, uh, as they're being required to do that, when they get to Bethlehem, there's no place for them to stay. And so the child is born in a cave barn. First crib is a food trough for cattle. And Mary pondered these things in her heart. If I were pondering these things in my heart, I'd say, if, if you arranged this before the foundation of the world, could you have made a reservation for us to stay somewhere besides a barn? Because, listen, if circumstances, it's quite often that the circumstances where God is leading you is to the desert. It can be hard. He might be leading you for a time of refinement, of a time of, of purification. So anyway, there are ways, I think, that we can learn in the Bible about how to evaluate circumstances. There's uh, two sentences I'd like to show you from the book of Proverbs that's helpful. It'll give us you know, maybe three steps or so to show us how to do this. But here's the passage itself, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. You might know these. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. So let's, let's look at this verse more closely. Trust in the Lord. What does that mean? It means as opposed to yourself. Trust in the Lord, not your abilities and your gifts and, you know, your ambitions. Those are good things, right? But that's not where you put your hope. 
They're not bad things. They're good things, but that's not where you put your hope. But what, what it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Okay? In all your ways, submit to him. Some versions say all your ways acknowledge him. So here it is again. Fourth week in four where the Bible says the only way the Christian life really works is when you're all in. There's no like lukewarm Christian. There's no one foot in, one foot out. It just doesn't work. It co- what does it cost to follow Christ as Lord? It costs a lot. What does it cost not to? It costs exceptionally more. So he's saying, trust in the Lord with all your heart, right? with everything. And then again, it says, lean not on your own understanding. It's not against wisdom. What he means in that sentence is that when you're leaning on your own understanding, it's, 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 it's arranging circumstances so that there's, there's no room for God to do anything. I'm going to make sure that in my understanding, I'm going to control every element of this so I can have the success or the end that I want. And that's, that's trusting and leaning on your own understanding. Uh, trusting in the Lord says, I can only do so much, and then I'm going to see what God does. You know, I'm going, to leave, I'm going to leave a lot of room out there for God to intervene. It, there's five times in the New Testament where it says God opened the door. Here's an interesting thing. All five of those things, God opened the door for ministry. God opened the door for someone to serve Christ and serve other Christians because every believer is a minister. We didn't make that up. Every believer is a minister. And each time they have an opportunity to go through that door and they're supposed to be representing Christ to serve, to gate, to turn out and to serve their fellow man. Now, when we're, when we're trying to figure out what God's, how God is working through circumstances, the, the metaphor I could go up, come up with is probably something like myself and many of you have never done, but let's just imagine um, if we were to walk across a frozen pond wondering if it can bear our weight. How would you know that the lake is the, 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 the snow, or I'm sorry, the, the ice is thick enough to bear your weight? You don't want to go out there and find out the hard way. So you get some giant boulder, right, at 110 pounds or something, and you just kind of push that out, and then you take a step. You confirm it's thick enough, and then you push it out a little bit more. Take a step. You confirm. Take another step. Right? That's how, you, that's, that's how I would do it. Never done it. just seemed like a way to do it, right? So apologies to you people that know about frozen water. It's new to me. But, but the idea is how do you know you're in God's will? Just like, how do you know the ice is thick enough? Usually when you turn around and look back and you say, yes, I can see where I've been. Going forward is very scary and it requires a certain amount of timidity. But when I look back, it's, I'm in the right, I think I'm doing this right. So let me give you three, I think three ways or, or three steps that I have found that people, and I've read that how, how to go forward with circumstances, how to not lean on your own understanding too much, Okay. So the first step is to have some ambition that God would have for you to do. Have an ambition. God wants you to do something. It, it wants you to move out. It's easier to steer a moving car. Just get, do something where you feel like he might want you to go. It's better to try to that. Uh, the reason there is power steering, some of you are too young to appreciate this, but it, if the car didn't have power steering and wasn't moving, it wasn't being steered. Okay, So God, I think sometimes God wants you to just go out and do this thing. And then, and then listen, to start point two. Then you pray ahead specifically of what God could do to confirm that this is his will. This is not leaning on your own understanding. 
This is, you're praying ahead of time and you're saying, okay, God, please, would you arrange circumstances so that you would close a door or red flag or make sure, let me know that I'm going in the wrong direction or, you know, right in a reverse way. God, would you arrange circumstances so that you would confirm that I'm at least headed in the right direction and this is your will, not just me asking you to bless what I would do anyway. And then the third thing you do, well, wait a minute, um, I did this this week. Actually, this, yeah, this week, two times, uh, we asked that uh, a friend of mine would have an encounter with someone that she needed to have an encounter with but, but couldn't arrange it. In other words, a circumstantial running into one another because politically it would have been a difficult thing for her to talk to uh, this person. So, so we just prayed, God, would you make it so it's how hard would that be for God? Could you have them run into each other on the street or in the hallway or somewhere? Yes. Okay, good. So we pray for something very specific so that we might know that that would be God's will. We prayed for someone in a conversation we were having. It was a difficult conversation. We prayed that they would initiate the topic and even they would change their mind in the midst of the conversation on that topic. That's how we prayed. Three, (laughs) now you look for God's confirmation on the God thing right? That's our figure of speech. That's why I said God thing. Pray ahead for a God thing. You're looking for something. It says only God could do that. And, and now you're on an Easter egg hunt going, okay, <laughs> okay, where, where is it? And sure enough, in my examples here, we prayed that these two people would happenstance and run into each other. And they did twice in a couple of hours. We prayed for this conversation to be initiated and it was, and the life was changed. The perspective was changed. My point is, is see, if you, if, you, if, you, if you give God a chance to use his sovereignty, he's powerful. He can arrange con- you know, conversations. He can arrange attitudes. He can arrange get-togethers. And so if you pray specifically at a time, you'll know what to look for. And when it happens, you can say, I think this is God working in circumstances. I think God's working in this. I think we're, we're moving out, right? We step and we're working across the ice. We step, we confirm, we step again. And what I have found in my life, and I've seen this printed in so many contexts, that when you have three or four people confirm, it, right, you know, uh, without asking for it, two or three or four people confirm in a short period of time about what you're doing, you know, is, might be God's will, that's usually a very good source of, of finding that you might be working your way in God's will. So, and, that's what, and you can pray for that. Lord, will you have men and women that are wise, right? Without me initiating, have them say, you know, I think this is a good fit for you. I think, you, I think you're in the right place at the right time. This is a good thing. Let me give you a story. I have some stories. Many of my stories are about this church. I wanted you to see how the leadership of the church has used circumstances and, and God's Spirit leading us in this congregation. So here's one, since some of you might not know these. But when, certainly, I think, the most ambitious faith event that's in the history of this church where we were going way outside the boundaries, outside the edges of our comfort, and into the deep water, the decision to build this auditorium. It was a very difficult decision, required an enormous amount of maybe trusting God, maybe even going past that, and we didn't know if it was for sure, because this building, what was required for this building was way to overbuild, because this was the last auditorium this campus could, could build. 
And so we didn't, want, we didn't want to hold back future generations of attendance. And so we had to go way out on. So the point is, we didn't, we didn't know what to do. And so we had an ambition. We said, okay, look, here's our ambition out there. Here's what we'll do. We were desperately in need of office space at the time. And we felt like, look, could you give us a God thing, a God story, and just finding office space. And so we, we sought out to look for, for that. And we found some buildings near us, and some were too small, and some were too big, and then there was one that was just right. And then we asked the congregation for, to pray for a God thing. We asked the entire congregation to say, listen, this is going to be a little bit crazy because we're not leaning on our own understanding. We trusted the Lord, but we're not leaning on our own understanding because the owner of the office building we were looking at told us he didn't want to sell it. He told several people he didn't want to sell it. And in addition to that, we were told that we shouldn't be the ones talking to him. We should hire an agent to do such a thing. So we had everyone pray. And then we did the third thing. We looked for a God thing. We looked for God answering our prayers, congregational prayers. And we went to lunch with this gentleman. And one of the things we asked is that he would initiate the conversation. And he said, so I guess we're going to lunch. This is nice. It's a fancy restaurant, you guys. I guess you want to rent some of my building. And we said, no, we don't want to rent your building. We want to buy your building. And he said, well, you know what? There must be something written on my head because you're the third person to want to buy my building in this, this month. So I've got a friend that wants to buy it. There's some out-of-town investors that want to, to buy this building. And, and now you. You know, my wife and I were just talking this week. We were originally just going to... Stay the, keep the building and take the monthly rent payments, and that's how we would retire. But I think, you know what? We were just talking. Well, I think we will sell it. And I don't want to sell it to my friend. I have another building I can sell him. And the out-of-town people, they're just coming in for the money. You need this building. I want to sell this building to you. At that point, I'm charged. And I'm thinking I'm in a Jedi mind trick moment. <laughs> and I said, and we will not pay the full asking price. And he said, oh, yeah, you will pay the full asking price. So that, that's, that's all I added to the, to the story. But Okay, here's, here's, let me summarize what's happening in circumstances, finding God's will in circumstances. You have to act. You have to go past the edge of where you're comfortable. That's where God lives. He lives out on the edge. What does it mean to live by faith? To live in a way that it doesn't make sense unless God does something. Your life is supposed to have stories where, that only God could under, explain the results of your experiences. Okay? That's, that's what we're talking about. That's what it means to be beyond your understanding. Trust in the Lord and beyond your understanding. And to this day, friends, when, you know, the Grace 360 office building is part of the lure of this church because this is how God's spirit led us. And that's when we, we, we got this far, we know we're in God's will now. And then we went forward on this giant auditorium. But when I'm over there and when I pray, almost every time I pray with my head down and my eyes open because I just stare at that carpet and think, that's Jericho. You know, he took Jericho, right, with trumpets and tambourines. And then the rest was done with swords. But that's Jericho to us. Oh, we know we're in God's will. <laughs> he takes down walls with harmonicas. Okay? So that's circumstances. And then there's spirit leading. The sixth one is spirit leading. Now we're in our most vague expression of God's will, finding God's will. And then we're also in our most particular. 
Dallas Willard, he's somewhat of a, a famous author, a philosophy professor at USC, and a theologian. He speaks a lot on hearing God's voice. And here's, how, here's the analogy I heard him use on a radio interview once. He said, God's voice, God's spirit, when he speaks to us, it is like a very weak AM radio station. And you, and you have to, your, your life has to be dedicated to hearing through the static what he would be saying to you, undistracted and committed to his love. Now, I would agree. And I think there's two ways that God communicates to us, his spirit communicates to us. One is the desires of our heart. This is a little bit unusual, so brace yourself. It's a way of looking at this passage you might not be familiar with. But here's a psalm that you might know the words here. Psalm 37, he says, Trust in the Lord and do good, dwell and dwell in the land and enjoy the safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So let's look at that. The first part, there we go again. Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord, live by faith. Do something. <laughs> While you do, don't, don't trust and wait. Trust and serve. Trust and live by faith because it's easier to turn a moving car. So that's, that's simple enough. The second uh, verse there, verse 4 rather, he says, Take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. What I want to propose today is that that's, that could quite possibly be interpreted both passively and actively. I mean, the simplest way to interpret verse 4 is that if you delight in the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Like when Jesus was speaking on the Sermon on the Mount, he said, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. To delight in the Lord, seek the Lord's righteousness, and these things will be added to you. You bet. That's what it means. I want to propose something in addition to that. If you delight in the Lord... He will give you the desires. Doesn't give you the consequences. He will give you the actual desires. How's that? Well, if you delight in the Lord, what does that mean? It means when you're reading about him, the things that we do know and can know, right, in the Bible. So we're reading about him. We're praying scripture. We're trying to get inside of his mind so we might appreciate the way he thinks and the way he feels. We're enamored with his beauty. We use the word gaze here. We're gazing at the nature of God that would send his only son. That He loves us so much that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. That we're gazing at that. We're enjoying that. We're uh, consumed with the beauty of God, right? In that, delighting in the Lord, our desires change. The things we want are altered. I'm sure you have some experiences like this. I, a little bit of, about my desires, you know, before I was delighting in the Lord, I, I wanted to have a certain amount of significant wealth, and I wanted to be left alone. That was, that was the goal, Right? <laughs> It just, you know, I want to have bills paid and I just, you know, leave me alone. You know, people, right? So, and then you start delighting yourself in the Lord and well, what changes? Your, cha- your desires change. And now you just want to be content. And you want to care and serve other people. The delighting changed my desires. God, God gives, you, gives the desires to you and then God gives the desires that he gave you, right? So, I mean, he, look, here's, here's a better way of thinking, thinking of it. Again, think about the wisdom of God. He knows you so intently that he knows what you should desire. <laughs> and then he gives you that to desire, and then he fulfills that desire in you. This is a strange story. 
When I was, uh, it was my junior year, I was 20 years old when I, I was raised in a great church, but it was, wasn't until I was 20 that I realized, oh, wait a minute, Jesus personally died for me. I caused his crucifixion with my own sins, not everyone's sins, but my sins. And so because I could appreciate the, the, my specific sin causing that, I could appreciate the forgiveness that was for me. Right? So that revolutionized my life. And, and, and things were changing dramatically in my life, so much so that when I was a senior, I didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up. And I was taking a class, a business communications class. And the assignment was that, I should, that we should all interview you know, our hopeful career, a person in our hopeful career, and then come back and, and give that uh, report to everyone, and that would be our speech. So I, since I didn't know what I wanted to do, I, I asked permission to, see, to interview two people, and she said yes. And so I came back, and I had interviewed a Catholic priest and an attorney. Now, I know that's a pretty big uh, gulf. As a matter of fact, I, I think every career is in between a Catholic priest and an attorney. <laughs> They're all there. So I did. And so during, during the actual speech itself, I was still didn't, didn't have any idea what I wanted to do. During the speech itself, by the time I was finished, I had pretty much realized that I was, it was unlikely that I would go to law school. And so now it was about... The, about being a Catholic priest. And on my way home, I was going up the, the South Mall and then it was turning on the West Mall at the University of Texas, toward, uh, headed towards the drag. And I, I felt this, okay? I felt this impression that, that I would work at Grace Covenant Church. That someday I would work at Grace Covenant Church. That, would, that was a desire I felt was planted as a seed at, on that day. Now, that's strange. It, no, it's not. It's very strange, and here's why. Because I'd never been to Grace Covenant Church. I didn't know where Grace Covenant Church was. Couldn't find it on a map. I just had friends that came here, and it had a great reputation, and I thought, well, if I'm, I'd like to work there. First time I came to this church was three and a half years later. I was in, finishing up on graduate school, and we were driving down 183, and we used to have this church in camouflage, so you couldn't tell there was a church here. And we were driving down 183, and, and whoever I was with like, oh, there's Grace Covenant Church. Well, there it is. How long has that been there? And, and we came to Austin to start a church for the Evangelical Free Church in 86, 87, dreadful years economically, and so it never, never had a chance in the world. And so that's when I got dinged again on this desire of my heart. That was, my point is, it wasn't my desire. I wouldn't have come up with that desire. It was from some other source. And so when we were looking for another opportunity, I felt the, the ping again, and it's like, well, maybe I should ask for a job here. And so I applied for the maintenance job. And you can imagine how brokenhearted I was when they told me no, because I just wanted to work here, and I felt like that was brought to me by the Lord. And, and here's the, look at what's happened. I'm teaching here, okay? It was not my desire. I was given the desire, and then I was given the, the fulfillment of the desire. I think that's how God speaks to us sometimes. He gives the desire to your heart, and then he gives you the desire of your heart. Here's another way that I think the Spirit leads. Hunches, promptings, nudges, sweet and small voices. Okay, this, is, this is, needs a lot of discernment. It's very easy to know. I mean, just, it's hard to tell. You need to count the cost of following that because it, because it might not be certain. And then you need to do it. 
and then you need to do it. Not very long ago, I was uh, driving home, and I was going the way I would normally go, and then I felt like the Lord was leading me to go a different way through the neighborhood, through the neighborhood up here in Northwest Austin. And, and so I did, and I saw a pack of uh, junior high boys in a circle, and it looked like they were bullying someone. And so I thought, this was it. This is why God wanted me here. I rolled down the window and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Is everything okay? And they all looked at me and like, yeah, everything's fine. So I rolled down the window, or rolled back window back up and went home, and here's what I learned from that. Here's what I took home. I said to myself that every single time I get a prompting like that, I will do it. I did not want to learn, well, that was dumb, that was just you, don't do it again, because those junior high boys made fun of you. Like, that was the first time that had ever happened. <laughs> you know, you bo- get in line, it's long. I would embarrass myself. I would do the prompting again. I did not want to walk away and say, hmm. And here's one of the reasons why. Because I've been, I've been, hit, I've been knocked to the ground a few times. And uh, three times in particular, I was, I was literally on the floor. Okay? I, I could not stand up. I was, um, I was depressed. That's an easy way to summarize. Uh, lost. And feeling like I, God had lost me in the weeds of life and I was hopeless and, and scared all alone. All three times it's happened to me when I was on the ground, the phone rang. And someone had called me from a distant past and tracked down my phone number somehow. And they, here's how the conversation goes. Hey, Matt, I had this just really strange feeling that I was supposed to call you. Are you okay? And all three times... I said, I am not okay, but I am not alone. I thought I was alone. I'm not alone. Thank you for calling. So here's, what I, here's the thing. I, it's, ho- it's, so hard to know, it's so hard to know if God's put a hunch or a premonition in your mind, but I'll tell you this. If, you have the, if, you have, if someone comes to your mind, a face or a name, and it's to encourage someone, it's, if it's to strengthen someone, if it's to brighten somebody's day, yeah, you make that call. If it's to build someone up, you bet. You make that call. You could change a life. You see someone in this church that needs to be encouraged by the word of God, then you say that thing. You could save a life. That's how God leads us, I think, in his promptings. Let me just review a little bit on our six, our, our six points because I want you to see now I want you to see how they all work together, because my last little example of how God has led this church is going to be about the particular person that had a hunch and why maybe God chose them. So let's look our six points. When we look at the first one, it's just the Bible, and that's the best part because it's, it's the certain things we know about God's will. Oh, yeah, this is especially the moral will of God. And then we talked about praying Scripture, and that's when we're trying to get the mind of God into our minds, right? We're trying to think about how God thinks and, and how God feels so that we might do what God would have us do. Then we spent some time on knowing ourselves, keeping in mind that God has particularly made us, right, a special way, and then had allowed us to experience special things so that we might hear a special thing from him, right? We sought uh, wise counsel, then today we looked at circumstances and spirit leading. But I want you to see how all of that makes you unique to hear a message from God, a message for you. Let me tell you another story. 
when we're in the final blueprint approval for what's now, what's the cornerstone building, the children's building down at the bottom of our parking lot, right? It's a two-story building. And we are ready to go, stamp it, sign the papers, let's go. And then someone in the leadership meeting said, hey, what would it cost? I bet, it, it's, I bet it's not even $100,000. What would it cost to add a third floor to it? You know, another, just, just, you know, extend the beams another eight, ten feet. We don't have to finish it out. It'll just like be an attic or something. And if we ever need it for something, it would be there. Friends, that was a voice from God. Because that third floor of the Cornerstone building, for 20 years now, it's been 20 years, it has been changed, that, it's been the house of life change for junior high, for senior high, then re-engage and celebrate recovery. Do you know who said those words? A person that was enjoying God, that was going beyond his own understanding. But here's the thing. He had real estate in his background and construction in his background. He was just looking at those plans like other people were not looking at those plans and felt like, you know what? This might be of the Lord. Your thoughts might not be your thoughts. Your thoughts might be God's thoughts that he's using you because you're you to make this statement. And I'm grateful that the elder in that meeting said something that was particular for his temperament, his experience, and the way he lives, his circumstances. We, got a, we had ministry. We made ministry in that, in that moment. Let me conclude the series, okay, with uh, just clarifications of what we've really learned about the will of God. Is God sovereign? Yes. That means he has a plan and he has the power to make the plan happen. Does God love you? He loves you. So God is sovereign and he loves you. So this is God's will for your life, to live. God's will for your life is to live. Don't die before you're dead. Do something that can only be explained if, if, if God intervenes in your life. You are supposed to be strong and courageous and, and bold. You're to love God and your neighbor courageously. You, you, you are to live under the belief that God has power to make plans work, even our reckless attempts at doing what he would desire us to do because he loves us. Do not die before you're dead. Live, live. You, you know the, the famous you know, pivotal scene in, in Braveheart, right, where William Wallace, he's with his ragtag group of, of uh, guys, uh, what's the northern country? Scotland, thank you. <laughs> It's not Ireland, so I don't even care. So, <laughs> Scotland, and he's going against, right, the British Army, right? And they're all, they're running. And, it's, it's, and he says, well, you've got to fight. And they go, fight them? No, we'll run, and then we'll live. And then what does he say? Oh, you'll run, and you'll live. You fight, you may die. But if you run and live, and when you're dying many days from now, and you're on your deathbed, how many of you would give every day from that day until this day to come back for this moment, this moment, and tell these Brits that they might take your life, but they'll never take your freedom? 
That changed everyone. And here's why. Because he just did the math for everyone. He just said, guys, think about living. Future regret is greater than present fear. Future regret is greater than present fear. And today, today they were choosing whether they were going to die before they were dead. Here's what I'm asking you to consider. Could you live courageously? Could you live? Could you live courageously? Could you delight yourself in the Lord? Could, could, you know, in all things, and then live courageously. Look for opportunities. Turn away from your selfish ambitions and desires and look for opportunities to do God's will. And while you're moving, allow his spirit to direct your path. Can you imagine you that way or us that way? Let's do more than imagine. Let's pray that, okay? Lord Jesus, we lift up this church, and I mean grace, but I I mean every soul in here. Lord, I ask that your spirit would invade these souls and desire to live, to live courageously, ambitiously for you, that they would that each one of us would delight ourselves in you to the point where you would change our desires, you would give us desires, and then you would give us those desires, the fulfillment of those desires. Lord, we pray this for us, that we would be ambitious, that we would see ourselves as ministers of the gospel in every avenue that we take ourselves, at, at school and at work, at home, in our neighborhoods, soccer fields, all over. And we would say things and do things by your power, the courage that we receive, that we would wander into the deep waters and trust you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about grace, visit our website at grace360.org.